Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And I'm Maddie ju- Cassidy. <laughs> it's just the two of us. Just the two of us. We'll uh, record the podcast live for... <laughs> um, so, I'm sorry about this. This is... Good. Let's uh, start over. No, this is good. <laughs> You're like, no, yeah, leave that. No, we'll leave it. Um, Maddie isn't joining us today because she is out sick, so... We decided to take it on with just Justin and myself, and uh, we're going to have just kind of a, a little more basic conversation, nothing too in-depth, nothing crazy. A lot of our listeners are probably going to know some of this information already because you're in the industry, but I think it's good to kind of establish a kind of a baseline for uh, for seafood consumption here in 2021, and uh, for anyone who is just kind of, you know, if you listen to the show just because you're kind of interested in seafood and you want to learn more about the industry as a whole and how it works, um, then maybe this is an episode for you because it's a little more introductory. So, But before we get into it, I want to remind everybody to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen to your podcast so you can get every episode directly downloaded right to your device as soon as it is released. Yeah, and if you want to reach out to us, first off, you can follow us on social at AquademiaPod. Send us an email, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. Or you can fill out a contact us form button located on aquaculturealliance.org. Go to the education tab. Halfway down, you'll see the Aquademia section with the contact us button. Yeah, and pretty soon we're going to be, we're going to start up the um, voicemail inbox again. So you'll be able to call and leave. I, I guess you could still call and leave us messages, but we're not really in the office too often. But pretty soon we're going to be in the office more. So we'll be able to get more of your voicemails. So if you want to call that, look for that number in the future. And as Maddie usually says, make sure you rate and review Aquademia wherever you listen, particularly if you listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, because those reviews really help us kind of show up in more searches and on on uh, recommendation lists and stuff. It, it really helps spread the word of the show and grows the community. So make sure you do that. I think that's everything. Did we get everything? I think so. I think. Okay. Cool. So what we're going to do today is... Um, oh, well, before we get started, we should let our listeners know that we are recording back in the studio for the first time right. in over a year. It's weird. There's a very, I forgot how much of a hum there was. Mm. There's, a, there's a strong hum from the air conditioner. And we're actually very cold. <laughs> we're both in long sleeves and it's like the beginning of August. I but think the, the hum's actually a little worse. Like we updated our, our HVAC system. Yeah. yeah, just so it was cleaning, so, filtering the air a little more. So. Yeah, so we got some serious fan noises. I'm going to try to get rid of it in post. So you may or may not hear it, but we'll see. But yeah, we're back in our studio Feeling good, feeling um, nostalgic, I guess. Yeah. We only got, how many episodes in did we get before we? Well, we've crossed the century mark of 100. My guess is we were in the 30s, 30 30 to 40 before, and then we started going remote. God, a long hey, time. we want to hear from you if you think that uh, the audio quality is, is better with this episode than the previous 60 yeah. <laughs> or 70. Actually. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I spent a lot of time treating the room that I work in at home. So, <laughs> you know, it might actually be, have better treatment than in here. So, Sean, what is what is uh, our t- topic today? Today we're talking uh, about the top five seafood species that are consumed in 2021. So I, I, I wanted to do like a top 10, top five, kind of something that we could 
you know, look, look at that would be interesting. And I found an article from a website called Tuco. It's Tuco, T-U-K-O dot co dot K-E. And the article is titled the 10 most consumed fish in the world in 2021. So this isn't like from surveys done in the U.S. where it's like, you know, the 10 most consumed fish in in the U.S. or anything. This is supposedly this is worldwide and based on data from this year. So I don't think you're going to be too surprised by a lot of these species. But what's cool is it's a mixture of aquaculture species and wild-caught species. So we're going to kind of go through the list and, and, you know, most of you, you're going to know what these species are. Either we've talked about them before or they're just so well-known that you're going to know exactly what they are. But we're going to talk a little bit about kind of where they come from and how they are harvested or produced. Yeah, anyone who thinks they know those first five, this is where you would pause this episode, write down those five, put them in the order that you think from first to least, one through five, and see how you did at the end. Yeah. Number one, gooey ducks. Just kidding. <laughs> that was on my list. Although, yeah, gooey ducks are... I'm, I'm surprised they're not on the top 10. So this is a, a top 10 list, and we will link to it in the show notes, but we're only going to go through the first five, the top five. Maybe we should go... Should we go five to one or one to five? Oh, that's a good point. Let's... let's we discuss going one to five, but let's start at five and work our way backwards. All right. So number five is sardines. And I can confidently say, believe it or not, I've actually never had sardines. Have you had sardines? Uh, I think I have. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I have. What it says on here, you know, gives a little blurb about every, every species. Everyone loves a can of sardines packed with omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin B12, selenium, and protein. Sardines are consumed a lot in Portugal. Uh, and so one thing that I wanted to look up was how are sardines usually harvested and caught because there's a lot of different types of harvesting methods. And uh, what I found is that they are usually caught using something called encircling gear, <laughs> which is uh, a lot of different types of nets. They're used to catch uh, like pelagic fish, um, more kind of in, in, in between the seabed and the surface, uh, which is, you know, where, where you'll find sardines. So they use things like a ring net, which is a net that's operated by surrounding a bunch of pelagic fish with like a wall of netting. Uh, and it usually takes two boats. So if you picture like two boats with a big net in between them and they kind of like encircle them that way. Uh, Purse seine is probably the most common one used. Uh, it's called that because the net kind of works the way a, a purse would or a purse, purse bag with a couple drawstrings. It's a big net that surrounds the fish and then the bottom of the net is pulled together, kind of like a shoe bag. You ever, you ever have a shoe bag? Yep. Sneaker bag. Yep. Beach seine. Uh, is usually used in a small boat, which is closer to the shore, which it probably isn't going to be used as much for sardines because they probably won't be as close to the shore. Uh, and then there's a couple other seine nets. But I think the, the ring net and the purse seine are probably the most common methods for catching sardines. And then they're processed and canned usually. Um, apparently they're very salty. Again, I've never had them. I'd like to have someone, a, a fisherman, who practices one of these techniques get on the show. Because I, I have a lot of questions about how how do you locate them? Like, what do you read the read the birds that are like flying around, and or do you just have to go to hot spots that you already know of, and then just the coordination. I would think that, especially for the ring net, I, I don't know how wide something like that is, and so yeah, that's true. It's like fishing, right? You don't want to be motoring around and scaring all the fish, right? So you probably have to. There's got to be some sort of techniques. I'd like to ask some more questions and yeah. Yeah, for sure. If anyone uh, has experience with this or knows someone that could come on the show and, and speak to these methods, that would be pretty um, pretty interesting. Interesting, yeah. interesting to talk about. Yeah. 
All right. So that's number five. The five, the fifth most consumed fish species worldwide in 2021 is sardines. And just to timestamp the episode, we're about a little more than half through 2021. So this data is what, six months old, probably. I don't know when the article was was written. The article was written um, in March, March 19th. That's my daughter's birthday. The article was written in March. So it's a, it's a, a few months old. Okay. So that it's only pulling three months worth of data? I guess, yeah. <laughs> All right. I mean, I think Don't it's quote pretty us, common. But it's probably I was, pretty common, I was looking yeah. at top 10 lists um, worldwide for like 2018 yep. back to List 2014. List is probably very similar. Maybe and I think the only thing that switched was one year, like number seven or eight was crab. And then the next year it switched to like one other species. And like that was it. But the this list pretty much was the same. So... Um, All right. If you had sardines as five, congratulations. Pat yourself on the back. Moving on. And if you have any recommendations for uh, ways to prepare and eat sardines besides just opening up a can and and shoving them down your gullet, let us know. (laughs) Because I want to try them. It's not something that's been very appetizing to me, but I feel like working in the seafood industry, I I have to have the experience (laughs) of knowing knowing if I like sardines or not. And it's it's popular. It was number five on that list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Justin, what's number four? Number four. Something that we've talked about talked about before on the show is tilapia. Number four, tilapia. If you got it, pat yourself on the back. And a little information on this species. Although wild tilapia are native to Africa, the fish has been introduced throughout the world. Obviously, it's very popular. And today it is now farmed in over 135 countries. Yeah, I think it's... Uh Primarily, mo- the majority of the tilapia that you'll get is farmed, and a lot of it, a lot of that farmed tilapia comes out of China. That's a, a, a yes. huge, huge um, place. And and we we talked, we've talked a lot about tilapia yeah. on this. We actually had a two-part species spotlight on tilapia with a couple different guests, um, Steve Hart and Denise Gershon. Really, really super informative episodes, and they're actually really helpful because I know there's a lot of very strong opinions surrounding tilapia. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we dive into a lot of the misconceptions and the reasons for some of those opinions and stuff. And, and those episodes were episode 15 and 17, so way back. Yep. And we'll link way to those back. But in the show notes. They're, they're some, some of my favorites. I think they were fascinating and really informative. So definitely check those out. Episode 15 and 17, our two-part species spotlight on tilapia. And this, we actually have some recipes on our website. Oh, that's right. Uh, oh, my gosh. The, uh, the toaster oven tilapia was so yeah, good. Yeah. Very was prepared very quickly and it was amazing. Kids would eat it and they wouldn't even know what they would just say. This is the most amazing thing I ever had. My mother-in-law made delicious tilapia fish tacos um, one time when she was staying at our house and they were phenomenal. I think she breaded them with like panko breading. Yep. Oh my God. So good. Love you, Karen. Make those tacos again for us, please. (laughs) We haven't been able to recreate them the same way. (laughs) They haven't come out as good as when you made them. Um, But yeah, it's an ideal fish for farming because it doesn't mind being like in crowded places, you know, it grows quickly and uh, it'll eat what you give it, which is where some of the misconceptions come from. But like I said, we go into all of those in episode 15 and 17, but it is a pretty ideal fish for large scale farming. And because of that, it's become one of the most popular fish in the world and the number four consumed fish. 2021. Worldwide. For 2021. It's been up there for, for, <laughs> for years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number three is cod. Something we we have always, we grew up hearing about cod because oh, we yeah. grew up in New England, you know, vacationed on Cape Cod every year, pretty much when you're a kid, that's what you do in New England. But cod um, has a 
an interesting history because it got to a point where it was being really overfished and there was a, a lot of um, issues with taking too many. And I think it's kind of calmed down a little bit. I anticipate us doing a species spotlight on cod in the near future. Um, we just need to find a good expert that really has a lot of experience in, with cod that can come in and help us with that. But um, it said from its high sodium content, protein, omega-3 fatty acids, uh, vitamin B12, and cod liver oil, it remains one of the most common fish to eat. Species has a unique mild flavor and up to 91 kilograms of dense white meat for its largest variety. So uh, it's considered one of the most consumed fish in the UK, Brazil, Spain, and Portugal. Cod is usually harvested using trawl nets, gill nets, bottom long lines, uh, and rod and reel. So it says gill nets, long lines, and rod and reel are used to harvest the cod with little to no impact on habitat. I can't really speak to that, but that's what it says here on the NOAA website. We have resources uh, for all of these species that we're talking about. And we are going to link to all of these websites, um, you know, the NOAA website, uh, uh, cantuna.com, a couple other um, sites that just see fish, you know, a couple other sites that give us some information on how these fish are harvested. So that's where we're getting our information, and we'll link to all of that in the show notes. But it says cod are highly prized for by recreational fishermen as well, and they're commonly harvested by anglers using lures and bait. So you can fish them year-round. Um, there were some regulations, and there still are regulations, including minimum fish sizes, possession limits, and uh, closed seasons. So um, I guess it's not – I guess you can't fish year-round, but mm-hmm. I think it depends on where it is. But cod is one of those famous stories. You know, you'll always hear cod used as an example of an industry that had some issues with overfishing. So I'm really interested and excited to do a species spotlight on cod because it is such an important part of the heritage where we grew up. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of a, uh, I could see that being a, the history of the of the species, right? Like, so it must have become popular there, and lied the um, issue of overfishing, and now with management, with with seasons and regulations. I'm curious to see how it's, you know, coming yeah. back. Is it coming back strong, slower than they thought? That, that that whole story would be interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean, a fish that you can can catch with a net that has that much meat yield. And it's just such, you know, that's, you can see why it would be super desirable. How big is a cod? They can get pretty big, pretty. Like tuna big? No, I wouldn't say, no. (laughs) (laughs) No, but yeah, they can get. Like a whale? Pretty big. I mean, I'm trying to think, we, I think we had some cod at the, at the New England Aquarium in one of the the Northeast cold water tanks. Um, And yeah, they're pretty big. I mean, you know, shoulder width. (laughs) But are they like a. Typical torpedo shape. They're pelagic. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Okay. Pelagic or bottom. Benthic bottom dwelling fish, so you know typical torpedo shape. They're not a flat fish like a flounder, gotcha, or anything yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, you know something like a tuna is designed for like speed, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's not as much of a streamlined shape as that. But I, I always remember that I was I was taught you know cod is r- recognizable because they have three dorsal fins, which kind of helps it stand out a little bit when you're looking at some of the other fish in the in that area. So, so yeah, cod number three, delicious white fish, ocean white fish. Justin, what do we got for right. number two? See how people are doing so far. We are now up to number two. Number two is cue the drum roll, salmon, one of my favorites. I could, I should add a drum roll, huh? Yeah. If we were if we were doing our other one, we could um, <laughs> insert the drum. Yeah, roll. if we weren't if we weren't live in the studio, we could actually insert. Insert a drum roll. So my thought is most people probably have one and two. They're they're going to guess one and two. The question is, did they have salmon one or what our current number one is, number two? You know what I mean? Flip-flop. Right. All right. So a little bit about salmon. 
Salmon are native to North Atlantic and the Pacific Ocean. Uh, many species of salmon have been introduced into non-native environments such as Great Lakes, well, the Great Lakes of North America, Patagonia, and South America. If you don't know this already, most of you probably do, salmon are farmed in many parts of the world. Yeah, the main uh, sources for farmed salmon are Norway and the UK yep. and Chile, and that's mostly Atlantic salmon that you'll see, but there are other species. We did do an episode, I didn't mark what episode it was, but we did an episode with Chris Bartlett, who was our resident salmon man at the time, and uh, got some good information about farmed salmon and stuff, and obviously... Everyone listening to this is, I'm sure, well aware of the benefits of salmon and mm-hmm. also some of the, um, you know, the, there's some controversy around farmed salmon versus wild salmon and all that stuff, too. We did do an episode recently talking about salmon, uh, and that was episode 102, where we spoke with Kyle Lee from Alaskan Salmon Company. He's the founder and CEO, and he talked about uh, wild-caught salmon up in Alaska, and that was a really fun episode, really uh, interesting takes on everything and he he did a really good job so definitely check that episode out episode 102 we will also link to that in the show notes all right and now for the number one spot the number one most consumed fish in the world in in the first three months of 2021 (laughs) is sea cucumbers (laughs) i knew it It's not sea cucumbers. <laughs> it's tuna. Obviously, I think I think most people probably guess that, that this was tuna. The most consumed fish in the world, according to the UN report. Uh, there's a lot of different types of tuna on the market, and they all have low calorie count and high vitamin and protein content. For instance, a small amount uh, of a 100-gram gra- skipjack tuna yields 22 grams of protein. It's, it's uh, you know, a pretty impressive seafood, which is, you know, why it's so widespread and get canned tuna anywhere for for pretty inexpensive and um it's got a really good protein content and it's really good for you the the one issue that you'll always hear about tuna is um higher mercury content and that depends on the species because it's all about bioaccumulation you know if there's a small fish that's eating something that has mercury in it and then bigger fish eats a lot of those small fish then it gets a higher amount of and then as you go up the food chain, that mercury content gets higher and higher. But it really depends on the species. Uh, for instance, albacore and canned tuna will have a higher mercury content than um, skipjack tuna. That's just an example we found here. But what I find interesting about tuna is not only just the different sizes and shapes. It's a beautiful fish. Yeah, but all the different ways that they are harvested, it's, it's fascinating to me. You can harvest tuna using longline fishing which is, um, it's a really long rope that uh, it could run for several miles out in the ocean. And it has other short lines attached to it with baited hooks to catch the tuna. So the lines will have different lengths and they'll be popped up by floats and stuff. So you can get different levels in the water column to to attract the tuna. You can also use purse seine fishing, which we have talked about when we talked about sardines. That's, that's yep. the big kind of round net that encircles a school and then kind of closes up like cinches closed so you can collect them that way and then you know it would get hauled onto a big factory ship uh, and it's it's cool the way that you like that people have found tuna in the past like they'll they'll say like follow the dolphins that's why dolphin safe kind of came into play and and i think that's probably another topic that we can look at at one point is dolphin safe kind of plays into eco labels but Dolphins and tuna have similar prey that they go after. So if you see dolphins, then there's a good chance that there will be tuna as well. So that's kind of interesting. And then a- another couple of ways that you can harvest tuna is surface troll. Uh, trolling boat has uh, multiple outriggers, poles, and lines attached that use 
lures dragged. So basically you're dragging lures behind a boat and then the tuna chase it down like they're chasing down prey and they chomp onto your lure and then you pull them in. I think that's kind of, you know, you'll see a lot of so what they images. do on Wicked Tuna? They may do some of that on Wicked Tuna, but on Wicked Tuna, it's mostly pole and line, which is the other one. It's, you, you know, you're fishing like you're yeah. it, like you see recreational fishing. You know, you you're putting out. Um, well, this this is one pole and line. They describe this as a little bit more like kind of crazy fast and efficient. It's a solid realist pole with a short line attached to the end with a baited hook that can easily release the fish for a quick turnaround time. So when fishermen find a tuna school, they'll use a form of bait to coax them to the surface and then begin fishing from the boat. When the fish bite, they'll manually bring them out of the water and then release them onto the boat before quickly returning the, uh, to the water to continue fishing. So it's like high speed <laughs> rod and reel fishing. What you see on Wicked Tuna, uh, I, I believe there's that has something to do with um, a regulation where there's a requirement in the in that area yeah. for you to only use rod and reel so like they get the giant fishing rods and they put it out there and then when they they hear the reel start going then they go out and they strap into the seat and oh, they, yeah. you know they're doing it's a it's a, a battle to the end to see if you can That'd land, be something land i would like fish. to do is yeah reel in something that weighs yeah that it's much. it's definitely like you know something different from like sardines or cod where you're going and you're trying to get as much as you can with with the the rod and reel fishing for these the, they're usually fishing for big bluefin tuna right yep. so they're trying to land as big a fish as they can really with you know a, a good fat content and good flesh content and so they might go out for you know long weeks at a time and come back with one fish or two fish four, four fish and it doesn't seem like you're getting that much but it's such a huge fish that like they'll get thousands of dollars mm-hmm. for for a good fish which is pretty cool um again I'm not an expert in tuna fishing, obviously. I would love to get people, if anyone from Wicked Tuna or anyone with connections from Wicked Tuna wants to come on and talk about what they do or anybody else that's a tuna fisherman, tuner. A tuner. Tuner fisherman. (laughs) A tuna fisherman wants to come on and talk about kind of the different methods and and what they think the best methods are. I'd love to have you on as well. Probably another species spotlight in our future, I would say. absolutely. And I know that there's some type of tuna ranching going on. You don't, you don't, People don't farm tuna from what I know about. There is some type of tuna ranching. I don't know how it works, so I can't really speak to it. But I just wanted to get that out there, that there is something with that. I don't know if they found a way to keep tuna in a specific area and they feed them. or Somebody somebody, please send me an email or give us a call or connect with us so we can talk about tuna ranching. That's fascinating to me. I want to Maybe know they it. use uh, dogfish to round them up. Yeah. Or they ride out there on seahorses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. We got to throw in a couple. Yeah. Jokes into we're that we're both dads. When you get two dads in, and Maddie's not here to kind of temper us. Yeah, she gives us a look, and then she, and that usually means edit it out. So episodes that she's on, yeah, this kind know, of this stuff, stuff doesn't stay doesn't in. always make it to the final episodes, <laughs> but it will this time, Maddie. So that's it. Like that's the top five most consumed seafood species in the world in 2021, according to Tuco.co.ke. Yeah. So again, we're recording this at, in the middle of the year, and this was written before that. So there's not, I don't know how they got their data. Cause I actually have some questions just based off what we're reading. Yeah. Like what's the, you know, so tuna and salmon, I think are always probably at, at the very t- top, maybe not always one, two, but in the top three, those two species. And I'd be curious, you know, what is the price per pound difference is one significantly cheaper than the other, which is what kind of f- favors it to that top of the list. And where can you, how, how easy is it to cook? Where can you put it? Like, so mm-hmm. sushi, for example, has both, you can have it with tuna, you can have it with salmon, poke bowls, one of my favorite things. Mm. I get both, tuna yep. and salmon. Yeah, you always add tuna. Yeah. You get the miso salmon poke bowl and you always <laughs> add tuna. tuna yeah. It's what you got to do. So there's flexibility with that. And, I, and I'm and i sure that's not just a, that's probably universal around the world. So 
That's why those are up there, and they're healthy fish. Yeah. Which one of these do you think you eat the most? Tilapia? Tuna? No, I have just been on a... I'm surprised my skin isn't salmon colored because of the <laughs> amount of salmon I've had. I mean, I've just from working here, I've increased my seafood consumption dramatically, and I just have been obsessed with salmon. I've always loved tuna, you yeah. know, whether it was, I mean, the basic form of tuna fish sandwiches as, as a kid, but then starting to have... Like tuna steaks. And yeah, there's a big like difference that. between canned tuna and like a, a tuna steak that you basically you just sear. Uh, and and I've, I had that when we went to our to do our ideal fish for dinner. That's we right. I had that. That was, that was right. amazing. But no salmon. I've had there was a there was four days in a row where I had salmon. Oh wow! And it was significant portions. That's was, a lot of salmon. And then I was like, well, I probably probably need to mix it mix it up a little bit and have something else. But nope, that's that was an easy one this year. And probably the late later part of 2020 was salmon for me. Yeah, we've been eating a lot of shrimp in my house. We have shrimp at least once or twice a week. But on this list, probably the most that we concern, consume is tilapia, believe it or not. Mm. Because we have three kids and we have large grocery bills and we tend to go for yeah. the less expensive fish. And that's usually tilapia. And it's delicious. And we, we found some good recipes for it. Yeah, no but, one else in my family is eating salmon. It's just me. Yeah. I, although my son, my youngest, he's four and... He experiments a lot more with, with things. My daughter used to, but she's starting to fade out into that experimental phase, and she's she sticks to her regular mm. dishes. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, – my kid's pretty much the only fish they get is fish sticks, which I think is cod, actually, the ones that we give them. So I think we, we should do another episode pieces. focused on the the innovative food products now to, to help parents introduce – seafood into their child's diet. Yeah, I'd like to learn more about that too because we just we give them fish sticks and call them chicken sticks and they don't know the difference and they we get them to eat fish that way but like if we can find other ways to get different. And this is I, almost, I know it's not I almost just got a, my middle child to try a piece of shrimp the other day. It was like it was so close but she wouldn't do it. It presentation is important, right? Cuz kids sometimes will judge a pl- judge taste by the way it looks rather than mm-hmm. how it tastes. Um, and I don't know if it's just a America United States issue because I'm sure there are plenty, plenty of other countries that have no issues with their kids eating fish. Well, it's just yeah. I mean, in the United States, we when we eat fish, it's not it's not like uh, it's not like chicken. We have chicken all the yeah, time, so yep. like kids see you eating chicken all the time. When when they see you eating fish, it's like not as common. So they're not like if we're in a culture or in our family, if we just ate fish like every other day, like a lot of cultures have fish mm-hmm. all the time, yep. and that's just like a regular part of their normal diet, probably more than some of the other proteins. And the kids just eat it because that's just what there is to eat, Um, which is not always the case in America, at least in my family. So yeah, definitely um, another, a a full episode for on that topic for sure. Yeah. It's funny. You talk about presentation. My, my parents recently brought over a bunch of those main hot dogs, the red hot dogs that Mm. are like, they're like neon pink. Oh yeah. They look like a, something out of a sci-fi movie, (laughs) but I guess Mainers are very proud of their, their red hot dogs. Um, and we were trying to convince my daughter to try it and we said they taste exactly the same. And she's going to her younger sisters like, Fee, try, try the pink hot dogs. They taste exactly the same. But (laughs) we were like, do you want to try it? And she's like, no, I don't want to try that. (laughs) So it's all... I, granted, I was a little hesitant too because it really does look like something. It looks like yeah, a sci-fi movie. It looks like a like a, a balloon animal balloon, <laughs> just neon this neon pink hot dog. That's a for, that's a topic for another day. But yeah, 
that's uh, that's what we got. The top five most consumed fish in the world in 2021. Do you agree with this list? Do you think that maybe there's something else that should have been ahead of one of these species? Do you consume these fish? Will you send us delicious recipes and possibly some samples? Let us know. <laughs> yeah, Maddie would have given you the eye for that comment too. Yeah. <laughs> and remember, this did not include shellfish, correct? This is just because shrimp um, would be on this. Would be. Yeah, this is this is this list looks like it's only fin fish. Yes, because yeah, shrimp and lobster. Maybe I don't know about lobster, but shrimp and crab would probably be on there. Yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, this is fish consumed fish in the world. Just clarify that because we might get some emails that it's like that's actually really good. Yeah, why wasn't shrimp on there? Because that's definitely the most consumed seafood in my household. Shrimp. Um, oh, delicious. <laughs> all right. That's all we got. So quick episode today. I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry that Maddie wasn't here to kind of keep us, you know, reined in. Keep the reins on us. Yeah. yeah but um, she'll be back next time. She's just feeling a little under the weather, so she wasn't able to join us today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. As we always say, I hope you learned something. And uh, remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah. Follow us on social at AquademiaPod. Send us an email, podcast at aquaculturealliance.org. Or fill out a contact us form on aquaculturealliance.org. Go to the education page. Halfway down, you'll see the Aquademia section with the contact us button. It might not even be halfway down. I think it's pretty close to the top now. You'll find it pretty easily, I think. And lastly, remember to rate and review and eat more sustainable, responsible seafood. And we will talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in. Ciao. Bye.